In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all of the kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward. <laughs> How's everyone? Good. Well, we're going out on this Sunday with a bang. This is the last Sunday of our liturgical year. We start all over next year. So this being the last Sunday, what are we singing about? What are we praying about? What words have we used to help you understand what Sunday this is? Christ. Huh? The King? Christ the King. Christ the the King Sunday is what this is called. We've gone through the whole year expecting baby Jesus, Jesus growing up, Jesus getting baptized, Jesus going through all the towns, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus ascending into heaven, all the teachings of Jesus for the, I hope I don't hit you, for Jesus teaching, Jesus teaching uh, the crowds and every, uh, his disciples and his apostles um, the truth about the kingdom of God and then on this very last Sunday of the year, we celebrate Christ, the King, on his throne of glory. So we start, we get up here, and we, the next week we start all over again. Because it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about God. It's not about us. It's about God. Not too long ago, um, I grew up in Texarkana. Well, we moved around a lot, but I grew up in Texarkana. went to elementary school, Beverly Elementary School. And a few years ago, I drove back through there. Boy, that neighborhood just really, mm -mm. and the school even burned down. But someone, told, someone, someone went into that school and found some stuff on the floor. And one of them was my report card. And they didn't know Gerber, but they found Gerber, like my brother. And my brother sent it to me. And it was like a second grade report card. And I don't know if they still use those, but... I had a whole lot of E's. You know what E is? What? Excellent. And what would the E's be in? Did they, do they only grade you in, in math and English, or do they grade you in conduct? Do they, do they grade you in conduct today? Do you? Yeah, well, most of my conduct was good. Most of it. Not all of it, but most of it was. And so um, I, got, I, I got to see my report card from like 60 years ago. Yeah, that somebody found. So if this is Christ the King Sunday, and if God, if Christ the King were to grade you, what would he give you, especially on what was mentioned in our gospel reading, feeding the poor? Would you get a E? Or would you get a U for unsatisfactory? Or would you get a S for satisfactory? Taking care of those in prison? What would you get, an E or a U or an S or, or what else? S. Huh? N. N? What's N? Needs improvement. Needs improvement? <laughs> Y'all have some experience in N's? Is that, no? No. No? <laughs> F for failed. F for failed, that's right. 
But, but so how would Jesus, how would, how would Christ the King grade you? I mean, if he tells us what, what Deacon Kathy just read about visiting the sick and, 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 and giving to the poor and visiting those in prison, how would you be graded on that? What would God give you? Would he give you a you? I, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about it because, I mean, because God expects us to do these things as Christians. So are we doing what he expects us to do? Are we going to be a sheep or a goat? The sheep are the one visiting and doing the things that God wants us to do. The goats are the ones on the left, and, and they're not doing what God wants them to do. I mean, I mean, God, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have salvation. God gives us that already. But he expects us to do something with that salvation. He expects us to help others, to bring others into his kingdom, to, to feed others, to visit the, the sick and those in need. So he, he expects us to do that. So the question is, are we doing that? We have to ask ourselves that question all the time. Are we doing what God wants us to do? Especially around Thanksgiving, right? A lot of you might have gone to help um, other people during Thanksgiving or help feed them or whatever. Or you see it on the news all the time. But what if we did that all through the year? What if? I think God might give us... Um, S for satisfactory. I'm not sure he would give us an E for excellent because there's so many hungry people in this world. So maybe we need to do it a little bit better. Okay? Then pray about it. Think about it. See what God wants you to do. So I thank you all for coming up here and um, go get a packet for those who want a packet from Mr. Mark. That's it. You can go. Bye-bye. Come back to see us. Thank you. Thank you. The other day I was at HEB and there was a lady picking through the frozen turkeys at the grocery at that grocery store and couldn't find one big enough for her family, she said. So she asked the stock boy who was right there next to her, do these turkeys get any bigger? And the stock, <laughs> and the stock boy replied, no ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> There's a man here in Houston, calls his son in San Diego the day before Thanksgiving he says, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I, we are getting a divorce. 45 years of misery is enough. And the son screams, Pop, what are you talking about? Father says, we can't stand the sight of each other anymore. We're sick of each other. I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Denver. You tell her. Frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. She, sh she shouts, like heck, they're getting divorced. I'll take care of this. So she calls Houston immediately and screams at her father, you are not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back and we will be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And she hung up. The old man hangs up his phone, turns to his wife and says, okay, honey. 
They're coming for Thanksgiving and we don't have to pay. <laughs> Today I want to talk about Thanksgiving, about, um, no, I don't want to talk about Thanksgiving. I want to talk about the kingdom, a kingdom that is both within this world and outside of this world. And the life of the church today, as you heard with the children's sermon, is known as Christ the King Sunday. And the kingdom over which Christ is king is not a make-believe kingdom, but is in fact a very real kingdom. A kingdom even more real than what we are able to imagine, what we are able to think about with our minds. It is a kingdom that will never, ever fade away, but will indeed last for all eternity. This kingdom is a kingdom where there is no war, only peace. This kingdom is a kingdom where there is no sadness, only joy. There is no sickness, only health. There is no death, only life. There is no hate, only love. There is no fear, only faith. This kingdom is the master's kingdom. It is a kingdom where Christ is king, where Jesus is Lord, and it is called in the Bible the kingdom of God. Now, if you're a Christian, and I want you to listen to this, if you're a Christian, you are a citizen in this kingdom, this kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is your king and you and I, we have certain responsibilities in the kingdom that we must fulfill as Christians. And one of those responsibilities is to surrender our life to the master, to serve him, to follow him with everything that we have. I'll tell you a quick story. Jack London, made famous in his book entitled White Fang, it's a story of a dog that is a half dog and a half wolf. As a puppy, this dog, White Fang, was treacherously abused by his cruel master. He was kicked, he was beaten, he was half-starved to death. After several years of abuse, he found his way to a new master by the name of Whedon Scott. And in the story of White Fang, there is this wonderful section where the wolf dog undergoes this amazing transformation from an old life to a new life. It's as if this great animal had a change of heart. You see, White Fang was very fond of chickens. And on one occasion, he raided a chicken roost and killed 50 hens. His new master, Whedon Scott, who had grown to love this animal, scolded him, took him into the chicken yard, and when White, White Fang saw his favorite food walking around right there in front of him, he obeyed his natural impulse and lunged for the chicken. Immediately, his master would say, stop, White Fang, stop. And immediately, but reluctantly, this wolf dog would stop. Well, they stayed in the chicken yard quite a while that afternoon, and every time White Fang made a move toward a chicken, his master's voice would stop him. In this way, he learned what his master wanted, and he learned to ignore the chickens. 
Wheaton Scott's father argued with him one day and said, you cannot cure a chicken killer. Well, Whedon challenged him, and they agreed to lock White Fang in with the chickens all afternoon. And this is the account told by Jack London. Locked in the yard, and there deserted by the master, White Fang lay down and he went to sleep. Once he got up, walked over to the trough of water, calmly ignoring the chickens. So far as he was concerned, they did not exist. At four o'clock, he executed a running jump, gained the roof of the chicken house, and leaped to the ground on the other side where he walked over to the house. He had learned the law of obedience that he must surrender to his master. Out of love and a desire to obey his master's will, White Fang overcame his natural inborn desires. He learned to love a new master. He learned to surrender all of his heart to this man. And from that day until he died, he followed his new master with everything that he had. Now pay attention to this. As citizens of the kingdom of God, the devil will try to get you to chase chickens that you've got no business chasing. And the devil will try to get you off track in every single way that he can. The devil will try to get you to disobey the Lord, to disregard the word of the Lord, to discourage the work of the Lord in your life. And so I encourage each of you to surrender everything you have and everything you are to Jesus Christ, the King. But you know what? Before you can do that, you, you have to believe. I mean, you really have to believe in the reality of the kingdom of God. We have to believe that the kingdom of God is real. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, He's telling us that there is obviously something to seek. We would not be told to seek something that doesn't exist. And that tells us that the kingdom of God is real. In fact, the heart of everything Jesus taught centered around this kingdom of God. That phrase, the kingdom of God, is found 61 times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And altogether is found 85 times in the New Testament. Jesus even said that the reason he became incarnate, the reason he became flesh, was to introduce the kingdom of God. He said in Luke 4.43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities as well, because for this purpose I have been sent. And did you know that the first sermon that Jesus ever preached was about the kingdom of God? He said in Mark chapter 1, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's it. That's the whole sermon. Five second sermon. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I know you're probably thinking something like a five second sermon. Boy, we're getting ripped off here. How come we have to sit through 15 to 20 minutes worth of sermon? 
Well, I will remind you that if you want to play that game, there are times in the Gospels where Jesus spent all day preaching. We can go that route if we have to. Maybe we'll just stay in between five seconds and all day. But in all of his teaching, all of his preaching, whether it be for five seconds or all day long, the kingdom of God was his main focus. In the prayer that Jesus taught all of us to pray, he said that one of the things we should ask for is your kingdom, God, come. He said at the Last Supper, assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And can you guess what the last subject was that Jesus spoke about before he ascended into heaven? Acts 1-3 tells us that he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now you might raise the question, is the kingdom of God something that we will enter into in the future after we die? Or is the kingdom of God something we experience right now in the present? And the answer to those questions is yes. First of all, it's clear that the kingdom of God is future. We just saw where we are to pray, your kingdom come, God. We want your kingdom to come. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. It's as if something is in the future when he says that. On the other hand, it's also clear that the kingdom of God is here right now in the present moment. On one occasion, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus said something else very interesting about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. So this much we know. The kingdom of God is here right now all around us and within us. But the fullness of the kingdom of God is something we will enter into on the other side of death. I remember as a very young child, about the same time that that report card came out that I was speaking to the kids about, I was standing in downtown Texarkana with some of my family. It was at night. Tons of other people were around. We were waiting for John F. Kennedy to pass down State Line Avenue. On one side of the street was the state of Texas. On the other side of the street was the state of Arkansas. I remember how exciting it was to both be waiting for the President of the United States, but also to be standing in two states at the same time, Texas and Arkansas. Well, the President was delayed by several hours, so we didn't wait for him that night. But the idea of standing in two states at the same time, it still excites me today. And in the same way, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we exist on this planet with one foot in the kingdom of earth, and we have one foot in the kingdom of heaven. And I find that to be extremely exciting. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, every kingdom has a king, and every king has a throne. That throne is a seat of authority from which the king rules and reigns. Now get this picture in your mind. Your heart 
is a throne. Someone is going to sit on that throne and rule your life. It could be you. It could be someone else. You can't make Jesus Christ the king of your life until you abdicate the throne of your heart. In other words, you cannot pray your kingdom come until you pray my kingdom go. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, he in essence told us what our number one priority in life ought to be. That word seek means to actively pursue to go after. It's in the present tense right now. That means that in every moment of my life, I should be seeking first the kingdom of God, the rule of God in my life. Every part and parcel of my life, every minute, every moment of my time, every ounce, every pound of my strength, every muscle, every fiber of my body ought to be given for the glory of our King. St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything for the glory of God. And, and then finally, we are to do everything we can to see that other people also allow Jesus to sit on the throne of their hearts. We are to aid in making that happen. The reason for this is very simple. The day will come when the Lord Jesus is going to return and his kingdom is going to reign over all of creation. Can you imagine what that will be like? Can you imagine what it would be like if Jesus were ruling as king and Lord over every single life? Can you imagine what it would be like if every single human being on the face of this earth were surrendered to the, to the control of King Jesus? You know what it would be like? You know what it would be? That would be heaven. That's what we call heaven. Okay, so all that I've said leads to this last statement of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one is born from above, unless one is baptized, unless one believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he, she cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here's the question. Who is your king? Who wears the, cr the crown in your castle? Who sits on the throne of your life? You know, our Lord looks at each and every one of us today and is saying to each and every one of us personally, right at this moment, you belong to me. I am your king. I love you. I hope you can say with me, I have no king except King Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.